This episode of That Does Suit Madam is brought to you by Moltard's Teasling Tunes Volume 7, now on 12-inch record and cassette tape. Tumultuous toil taking its turn on a tired Tuesday. Tonight's time tax to tally tighter tights with Tide. Wash your whites with whiz-bang, wide-eyed wonder with Moltard's Teasling Tunes. Try to trust the true test with Moltard's Teasling Tunes today. Also available on vinyl. Mr. Brandon, are you free? I'm free! I'm Brandon. And I'm Jeff, and this is That Does Suit Matter. A podcast about Are You Being Served? Hello, Hooray! Mr. Brandon. Hello, Unanimous. Hello, Summer. Hello, hello Summer. Hello, Mr. Jeff. Hello, uh, Gladys. Hello, Unanimous. Um, we have uh, something happening very soon in the world, but not in our world per se, not in northern Mississippi. Heavens no. All around the Commonwealth of the world, specifically a little place called London, United Kingdom. Isn't that right, Mr. Jeff? It is indeed. Yes, it is, Mr. Brandon. It is. It is indeed. This is the week of the Queen's Jubilee. We're recording this on May 31st. And <laughs> Thursday will mark 70 years that Queen Elizabeth has been on the throne. God save the Queen. But, um, yeah, this whole week in London, in the UK, is celebrations. You know, the official... The Thursday is a bank holiday and Friday mm-hmm. is a holiday also for the Jubilee. But so many people took Monday through Wednesday off this week to just stretch it out into a bigger holiday. And they love a bank holiday in old Blighty, don't they? Yeah. So um, congratulations to congratulations Her to Royal Highness Queen Elizabeth II. Long may she reign. Um, in North America, well, in, in the States, eh, not so much. I wonder if in Canada they're going to do some bunting or something. I don't think they have a day off. Uh, they just celebrated Victoria Day, which is sort of their Memorial Day, three-day weekend kind of. Like start but, of summer uh, type thing, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So if you're in the United Kingdom uh, and you see some cool stuff to take photos next to, send it to us and we'll post it on our Facebook. And we've been, uh, we've been posting and receiving comments aplenty, both on Facebook and Twitter. And should we just say uh, a polite, courteous little bow and nod and hello to Miss Joanne Haywood. Hello, our friend on Twitter. Yes, she we've is been... interacting and liking our tweets, our fans' tweets. And of course, um, she played the fabulous uh, Miss Lovelock in Ms. Lovelock Serving on the show, Stroke, that's right. Grace and Favor. Yes, indeed. Yep. We also heard from Joanna, uh, our new Facebook fan. So welcome to the fold, Joanna. Hello. Uh, Mr. Allen t- tipped us off that um, over the weekend, Channel 5 in the UK ran a new documentary called Are You Being Served Secrets and Scandals? Dum, dum, dum. Yes. In fact, we heard that from a lot of people. Everyone was like, oh, my God, did you guys hear? Yes, we did. Thank yeah. you so much, everyone. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. I'm actually going to watch it right after we record. Um, Did you have an illegal copy from, like, the dark web or something? Well, if you're in the UK or your computer thinks that it's in the United (gasps) Kingdom, you can go go to the Channel 5 website and watch it from there. I don't even think you need to create an account or uh, have a TD license for it. Why don't you um, uh, put it in the screening room of the silo of the compound recording headquarters and we can watch it together. And we'll have have, uh, Mr. Bill, our new intern, 
pop up some popcorn and we'll make a night of it. What do you think? But Brandon, the screening room is in northern Mississippi. It's not in the UK. How would we ever watch that? Well, dot, dot, they dot. have these magic unknown to us devices that can mimic uh, location. Please, if you all are heard. watching, are you being We've served heard. on? <laughs> yes. Allegedly, Allegedly, you all know about virtual <laughs> private networks and getting into the iTunes player and, and all of that stuff with the BBC. Yeah. But anyhow. Allegedly. That's what Allegedly. And I would also love to say that one of our, our longtime uh, super fans on Twitter, I posted a thing, um, rather, the uh, marketing, the vice president, the senior vice president marketing uh, administrator of, the, <laughs> of this podcast, uh, whoever they are, um, posted a, a, a graphic asking people to say, which do you prefer more? What is your favorite? Are you being served? Or... <gasps> Are you being served again slash grace in favor? And it's quite the controversy, I have to say. Con- it's a, controversy. It's pretty evenly split the last time yes. I took the poll, which is surprise, which is unusual for us, isn't it, Mr. Brown? It is, it is, Mr. Jeffin, and I'm completely unscathed. Um, controversy, that's what I was trying to say earlier. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I thought it would be all original series or all second series but it's kind of right down the middle but anyhow so we posted that on facebook lots of comments lots of stuff so that was nice and then um on twitter it kind of got the attention of joanne haywood who i did not tag but she do you listen miss haywood we'd love to hear you send us a voicemail if you want with the peacock hotline and she um, politely recused herself from voting because she'd be biased. very politely <laughs> yes and she's i said comment and let us know which one you prefer and i think she said something like uh, far be it for me to comment, I think I'd be biased or right. something. <laughs> so then I think I responded, well, you might say you've been, you're unanimous in that. And, you know, we said lovely things about um, Flora Bennett, who played uh, Mavis Moulturd, and Billy Burden, who played her father, Morris, and it was lovely. And then um, she responded, <laughs> Joanne Haywood uh, responded saying, you can definitely say I'm unanimous in this or something like that. And <laughs> then, of course, everyone was so excited. And one of our f- super fans, one of the many Jeffs, Jeff I, uh, number five or six, I don't remember, um, he said, he, he did a screenshot of her liking one of his posts. And then he emailed it to that does suit madam with an E at gmail.com. And he said, I can now die happy. So our message from the podcast to our friend, Mr. Jeff, four, five, or six, your life can get so much better than having someone like a Twitter post. So don't do anything rash. That's all I'm saying. Um, But that was fun. We also heard from Original Recipe, Mr. Jeff Y., who mentioned that there used to be a cabaret show in New York City that had a song about Dr. Crippen. Remember we talked oh. about Crippen's bird in the last episode, how Mrs. Yes, Slocum yes, was yes. wearing, yeah. Um, mm. We also heard from Mr. John from Pennsylvania who wrote in, having Hi, just discovered the podcast. Welcome aboard. Asked, uh, and he explained what um, Swan and Edgar's was. Now, h- how far back do we have to go to remember that joke? That was one of the very first episodes. I remember, and here's the thing. So I've noticed we were. I was looking at the um, the podcasts and see how many listeners we've had for each of the episodes. The first three, by far, people listen to, and then they kind of trail off. So yeah. I don't know if they're like this crap. I'm not going to listen to these guys you have <laughs> on, or maybe they just have busy lives. But when you start at the beginning, there's a lot of content to get through. So I think with Mr. John's um, question. Oh, these guys in the episode, they don't really know what they're saying. Because I think, the, do you remember the joke? Um, 
Something like, oh, I, I won't kip down like Sodom and Gomorrah with another man in my tent. Right. Right? Mrs. Right. Slocum said. Exactly. And then Mr. Humphrey says, or Swan and Edgar's. Right. Which we didn't know what he was saying because it's kind of muffled. And by the next episode, we got to explain. So by the time John catches up to episode four, then he'll, <laughs> yeah. he'll, he'll get that we understood. So thank you for that late in the game uh, explanation, yeah, yeah, Mr. Yeah. John. We also heard from... Uh, another listener. So remember last week we were talking about when you design something and you add an unnecessary feature just to give the user familiarity, like adding the sounds of coins dropping to a digital slot machine, even though they don't produce coins. Or like if you have an electric car that's so silent, it has a little, like it would bump into people in a parking lot because they don't hear a car engine. So they make a little sound. sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So the word for that is skewamorph. So there's a word for it, and it's called And a pill for that as well. (laughs) There we go. Yeah. So thanks to the lovely listener who wrote in for that. Um, Lovely. Please, everyone, uh, wear a mask, wash your hands. Uh, Stay tuned to the news about Ukraine, Roe versus Wade, and unfortunately, in this country, school shootings. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but we love and, and and the Black Lives Matter movement. Of, of course. course, you know it's hopefully what won't happen again with the killing. Uh, but you know we're 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 very happy to give a brief respite uh, from the news of the day with a silly podcast about a show that very few people know about anymore. But we're growing. <laughs> people keep hearing about us, so so that's good. But. Yeah. Um, also, um, we do need some voicemails. We haven't had a voicemail in a couple of days. Uh, we do play most of them. So go, if you're in North America, call 662-PEACOCK. Or if you're not in North America, you don't want to spend a fortune calling a podcast like us, um, record a voice memo on your smartphone and email it to that does suit madam with an E at gmail.com. And that's the same thing. So we'll be able to... Put your voice on the fabulous internet with our podcast. Maybe you don't really have a question or a comment. Maybe you just want to say hi to other podcast listeners. That's kind of cool. So Yeah, totally. Yeah, so send us a voicemail. Yeah. Call them in. Call them in. You've all done very well, unanimous. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So, Mr. Jeff, what the hell are these nice people around the world wasting their time yet again listening to us yammer on about some things. I mean, is there a point to this podcast is what they're all demanding. There is no point to this podcast, Brandon. It's taken you two years to come. Gladys agrees. She's saying, don't you guys have anything better to do? No, we are going to talk about Series 1, Episode 4, Looking for Staff, which originally premiered on January 31st, 1992. Mm -hmm. And that week in the news at the top of the Billboard 100 chart was a new song, uh, Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me by George Michael and Elton John. Oh, that's a nice one. And I I forgot that George Michael got top billing on that. Um, I always thought it was the other way around, but no, he got uh, El- Sir Elton let him have top billing. I actually know this song. I'm a big old EJ fan, as we call ourselves. Uh, what's the collective noun of Elton John fans? That's a good question. The Bennies. Eltonites? The Bennies? Bennies? Ooh, that sounds like a, an award. Anyhow, um, so well, it no, was... Well, actually, no, I take that back. Because <laughs> Benny is a pejorative term for people from the New York area that go down to the Jersey Shore for um, the summer or for beach trips. Bennies? Yeah, it, it's usually used in the saying, Benny, go home. Oh. Yeah. 
how very specific for a northern Mississippi person to, uh, <laughs> to know. Um, but yeah, so not Benny. So anyhow, so um, Elton John had this song originally in the 70s. I don't know which album. But then George Michael did it, and he was on tour, I think, and it was a concert. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, so it was kind of his song. He was performing it. And then for the second part after the grand stanzas or whatever... In the middle, he said, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Elton John. And then he came out, and everyone was uh, like, oh, my God, it's Elton John. Okay, I got it. This recording became the single, which is now kind of the song that people know, instead of the studio version Elton John did. It's the live version they both did together that most people know. And I think it got maybe like a top 10 billing on Billboard, just that live version, which is kind of rare. Most it's live versions one, of songs. In fact, yeah. Oh, it was number one? Wow. But number one this so that week. Good... That's the whole point of the, the segment, right? Oh, yeah, that's what we're doing. <laughs> hmm. All right. Well, there we go. Okay, we go. that's cool. And then at the top of the UK singles chart for the second week in a row, Good Night Girl by Wet, Wet, Wet. Again, we still don't know never, what the song is. Never so. heard of it. Yeah. We don't have anything to do with that. Sorry. Inventor Ray Kurzweil <laughs> published his first book, The Age of Intelligent Machines, uh, about artificial intelligence, predicting the popularity of the Internet. We are an algorithm, actually. There, were, there are no people named Mr. Jeff or Mr. Brandon. This is all <laughs> an app on an iPhone. Now, could, really. have you seen that meme <laughs> around where um, someone's like, I... I made a computer watch a thousand hours of Hallmark movies and I let the artificial intelligence write one and here's the script. Write a script or something. Right. And it's just like, you know, uh, Mr. Sa- Mr. Santa enters the factory. Christmas is <laughs> dead. You know, that kind of thing. What would happen <laughs> if we had a computer watch all 70 episodes of Are You Being Served oh and my had the God. artificial intelligence write a script? That is an amazing idea. <laughs> so I actually quickly found the uh, script. Okay. So as you were saying, so um, I forced, so so the, the Twitter guy says, and this is Keaton Patty, K, K-E-A-T-O-N-P-A-T-T-I on Twitter. He says, I forced a bot to watch over 1,000 hours of Hallmark Christmas movies and then asked it to write a Hallmark Christmas movie of its own. This is the first page. Okay, so a thousand hours of Hallmark movies, artificial intelligence computed it and said, okay, I'm going to do a new one based on what I've read. Okay. All right. So Mr. Jeff, why don't you do stage directions? And so it feels okay. more like a studio of the mind. You're going to have a radio show now, unanimous. We're, okay. we're doing a little detour. Here what do you think? Go. And I'll do, I'll do the voices. Love it. Love it. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> so what is this called? The Christmas on Christmas. Oh, Inter- yes. Interior. Small town snow globe refillery. <laughs> we see a single mother refilling snow globes with Christmas juice. She is widow. Her husband died in every war. <laughs> single mother says, <laughs> I can't even do it. I refill globes better than Jesus Claus. Yet still, my twins are dad-free. Why? They need double dad. <laughs> Businessman enters the shop. He wears clothes that cost money. His hands are briefcases, and he's Hallmark hot. Hallmark hot. Hi. Do you know snow glo- <laughs> Hi. Do you know snow globes lack wet? Hurry. (laughs) Christ mess attacks soon. (laughs) What the fuck? This is so fucked up. Businessman has flashback to when he was business boy. 
A Christmas tree explodes his family on purpose. He now hates trees and Christmas and explosions. He exits the flashback. Shut your sound. I am from Huge City. I bought your land and am turning it into an oil resort. <laughs> so you can see it's very accurately depicted uh, a Hallmark movie. So I think Mr. Jeff's idea is, if anyone has the technology, do we have the technology to have someone watch through an artificial intelligent bot every hour of Are You Being Served and rewrite a new script? That's what we need from you, Unanimous. Or someone who's just terribly creative as Keaton Patty to come up with this comedy. <laughs> or maybe, maybe, we don't, maybe it was actual technology. Maybe that is the real reason for this podcast, is that's the <laughs> ultimate apex <laughs> of all of our collective lives. <laughs> is, to have, is to have the AI bot write, are you being served artificially? Amazing. Rude behavior. This is a family business. I sell families. I am widow. My husband is now bones. <laughs> so stupid. I love stupid humor, which is why I like Are You Being Served? So, so oh. moving on right into the bad right along. sandwich of this. Oh, is, yeah, um, we're trying to, you know. Mm. Jury selection began in the trial of Los Angeles <laughs> police who were charged in the beating of Rodney King which would eventually lead to the L.A. riots uh, in South Central Los Angeles, yeah. And slugging outfielder Barry Bond signed his highest year single contract in Major League Baseball history for $4.7 million. For comparison, this year, Max Scherzer, the pitcher for the New York Mets, is making $43 million, so 10 times that amount. And you know what that means, Mr. Jeff? What's that, Mr. Brandon? That was our moment of butch. (laughs) I'm free. (laughs) That sounds like George Takei. Oh, oh my, I'm free. <laughs> Thank you to the uh, listener who suggested the moment. I think it was actually our, our new intern, Mr. Bill, the moment of Butch, maybe, right? Yeah. I think we true. got it from a couple of people, actually. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now we know what's going on. 1992, it was a very good year. Mm. Uh, what's going on in the episode? So... Uh, it, it, it's the next day. It's the day after... Um, <laughs> Which we have every episode of the new right. series. <laughs> it's the day after uh, Mrs. Slocum was found not guilty of stealing the cart. And Hurrah. the staff uh, wake up and they remark how well the country air is, is uh, doing them. It's treating them. Uh, Mrs. Slocum doesn't use foundation anymore. And they say that it's perked up Mr. Humphreys. You and know what that means, foundation. She's not talking about Max Factor. No, what is, oh, she, no, she's talking about, yeah, she's, because she says it's letting her skin breathe. She's not talking I about her I thought she girdles. was talking about a corset. No, because she's talking about that it doesn't let her, you know, her skin breathe. I thought that that's where that joke was going to, but no, it's, she's actually talking about oh, makeup, well, cosmetics. Uh, far be it from me to know for about makeup, Mr. Joe. <laughs> um, uh, it certainly picked up. By the way, your rouge is looking stunning this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly perked up Mr. Humphreys, but uh, Miss Brahms thinks that um, it's Mavis. You know, uh, Mavis oh. is a simple girl who's devoted for him, and it must be a change for them rough village boys who try to have a kiss and cuddle with anyone who goes by the pub. Well, where Which exactly pub is, is that, the pub? Exactly. <laughs> You get a great <laughs> throwback to this joke. I right? love Mrs. Slocum. Yeah. And uh, Captain Peacock knows what it is. It's the four ferrets. Um, 
and it's got those jukebox things inside that ruin the atmosphere. And here, Captain Peacock is showing his age because jukebox things are not new to 1992. They've, They've been, been since been around, around to the 1950s, at least around in the, the states, 50s. anyway. But you know, oh, when you go yeah. to the pu- a country pub, um, they would have like not a jukebox, but it's sort of like I guess a. a, a a one-armed bandit, a casino slot machine thing in there. But they probably machine. have like a fruit machine, yeah. But they would also have like um when you when I when you when you say a jukebox to the American audience, they picture like a Wurlitzer with the little bubbles and the lights that go around the edge and stuff. But it's probably just like a, a like a stereo system that you probably like twenty five p in or something, you know. Mm, yeah. But I guess if back then, like when you had like the ye, ye oldie fox and houndy puppy thing. There probably wasn't a lot of rock and roll music, but suddenly the old That's timey true, guys. Because yeah, you know. they're, they're talking about the pub, and it's still split into the saloon and the public bar and all those places. So yeah, maybe yeah. They, they didn't have the the, the poor music. Captain Peacock. It must um, be very difficult for him. Air pollution in the UK has dr- improved dramatically since 1992 uh, mm. due to the reduction in coal, which is because Margaret Thatcher shut them all down so they wouldn't unionize, <laughs> uh, as well as. Things like congestion charges and ultra low emission zone charges and things like that. So, um, have you, know, you watched we, all of the Crown episodes? No, I haven't. It's stunning television. Um, considering it's the Queen's seventieth uh, jubilee, we should all uh, maybe watch the the Crown. It's on Netflix, of course. I just I'm rewatching it, and I'm just watched the episode where I think it was 1953. It was still under Churchill, um, maybe 54, where the I forgot what it was called, but there was some sort of like wind cyclone anti tornado. I think they called it, which basically made the air very stagnant and ver- no wind in London for mm. a whole week, and all of the coal um, smog and stuff like turned into this very toxic, soupy cloud that was like on the street. It wasn't in the sky because of the wind. Or the, the the lack of wind, and it killed like, I think the episode of the of the Crown said modern scientific estimates estimates about twelve thousand people. Wow. Yeah, and it's because the conservative as it was dictated in the episode, the conservative government built lots of cold fired electric plants around the center of London. Yep. So there was no way for all of this to go. And anyway, because of this thing, huge scandal. It's in the episode of the Crown. I'm sure if you Google it, you'll find it. But they immediately, the aftermath of that is they changed the rule to think about air quality because people were dying on the streets. And oh, so if, if you've watched The Crown, you know the episode we're talking about. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, Miss Lovelock comes down to join the staff and she's off to exercise the hunter's horse uh, and obviously captures uh, Captain Peacock's attention. Mr. Humphreys, Among other things. Mr. Humphreys comes running in wearing full Reebok running gear outfit. Like onion <laughs> skins, uh, a, a runner's jersey, everything, right? Uh, he's taken up a new Get Fit campaign with um, being out in the country. As he often has in the previous series. <laughs> right. And then <laughs> Mr. Rumbold wants to conduct a meeting uh, in order to get uh, ready for uh, new uh, visitors are going to be coming in town. And he asks, he pulls out the old line and asks, are you free Captain Peacock? 
And Yay. he says, I'm free. It's we get that again, another great little flip throwback to the original series. And Mr. Humphreys doesn't even need to be asked. He gives, <laughs> I'm free to the applause from the uh, canned laughter audience. Yeah. I have to say, I think um, John Inman in this scene um, looked really good. I don't know how old he was in 1992, but he wasn't 40. He probably wasn't 50. But he His looked... character was 50, but I don't think that he was. Yeah. I think Molly Sugden was kind of, I think something about the way she dressed and her hair kind of aged her a lot. But I don't know. I mean, of course, she's wearing like a Reebok little jogging outfit. But I just thought he looked really young. Like yeah. he hadn't aged since the, the original series there. Yeah. Before, before Rumbold is able to get down to brass tacks, what he wants to talk about, Mrs. Soko makes a complaint that they're running out of hot water. Because apparently uh, Captain Peacock likes to take long baths and lots of hot water. I mean, you know? who can blame him? And they start talking about rationing. And Mrs. Slocum says, well, we had that during the war and five inches goes nowhere. Talk, referencing <laughs> five inches of water in the tub. And mm-hmm. we get Humphreys piping up. Speaking for myself, four inches would be more than acceptable. <laughs> so, great little <laughs> he double He knew they were going to make there. a joke about that. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it yeah. turns out, as I said, that Mr. Rumbold got a phone call from a tra- the travel agency that booked in some American tourists this weekend. And they, oh. compla- they complained about the last hotel they had been in. And the hotel's been struck off the list. And they don't mm. want to get dropped from the travel agency, so they've got to really yeah. clean up the place before the staff arrives, before the, 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 the visitors arrive. Uh, it turns out that the visitors paid £1,000 per weekend, plus they all get tips, which would be about £2,000 today or about $2,400. So, so the he, inflation from 1992 has doubled yes. to today. In past, That's crazy. In the past 20 years, yeah. In wow. the UK, yeah. Wow. So here's my question: If Uh-oh. the if the goal is to hire staff to wait okay. on the American tourists, and our Grace Brothers team are just going to sit by and be the silent owners, why would they care if the Americans are paying tips? Would they get pooled in? That's a good one. Um, I don't know. I know in the States, if you work at a restaurant, um, typically the tips are oftentimes all pooled together and then divided. Right. Uh, but that's, I don't know but, if that's something. But that's yeah. for like bartenders and barbacks and dishwashers, not for the host, right? Because the mm. host doesn't get paid servers' wages. They get paid minimum wage. Yeah. I mean, I'm also thinking like, I mean, it's easy to kind of nitpick all of these continuity things. Like, I'm expecting when I was watching this episode. I know, right? Um, (laughs) uh, I was expecting them to like, well, we'll just have to muck in. Like, Miss Miss Braun's like, all right, you lot, let's get some lolly or whatever. Um, I don't know if, I don't think that happens in this episode, but you know, we have many more to go. But I I think that's the plot of next week's episode. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Huh. Um, Interesting. They did get some replies for the applications, but the staff will have to pitch in in order to get the place in ship shape and Bristol fashion um, before the staff are hired and arrived. So um, I've heard ship shape before, but never Bristol fashion. And uh, there's a big rumor. A lot of people falsely believe that this is a derogatory description of um, the condition of people who were to be sold as slaves, that they were ready to make the voyage or middle passage as it's now called. Um, oh my God. That's but that, wow. But wow, that, okay. but that is not the case. That's not where it comes from. Mm. It's, it, it's because Bristol 
right, the mm-hmm. town of Bristol, is actually inland. So it's not on the coast. So their port is down a river. And in, yep. order, in order to reach Bristol, your ship had to have a perfect bow. It couldn't have any defects in it in order to be able to make its way through the river. Especially oh. because the water level could vary anywhere between 30 feet between the tides. So the, when they're talking about ship shape, they're talking about a very perfect, perfect sturdy bow. And Bristol fashion is being very a clean entrance down the river to the port of Bristol. Or, or maybe like a ship that would be worthy of going to Bristol because of that unique navigation. Exactly. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, the the slave aspect, um, that was one of the places I visited when I was in the UK. And um, it was cool because they have um, a a ship that they've, you know, restored lovingly. And it's like you're going back in time and you can walk around and see the the crates of potatoes or whatever they were like shipping around. And they had lots of um, flyers like, you know, from this eight, like 1802 or whatever. And a lot of American, uh, American immigration from England left Bristol because if you're going to the States, to the, to the New World, leaving from London, you would have to go around the coast of the south, southern coast of, of the UK, of England. But if you're going directly to the, to the New World, New, North America, um, it would just save a lot of time if you were already in Bristol. Right? Yep. And there was probably a train that would take you there because you're already on the West Coast. And then you can zip underneath Ireland and Bob's your uncle. And you know, uh, so save half a day of the journey. Yeah, absolutely. But it's interesting. I went to a really cool, um, like, seventeenth century, like eighteenth century museum of like some shipping magnate, uh, his house, like his his mansion, and they did a really good job of explaining that the person who owned and built this home made most of his money in the slave trade. But mm. they did a really good job of explaining that like people still made their money that way. Like you know that the the. the the triangle of finding folk, finding finding people in Africa, shipping them to, uh, you know, the south of the U.S. for plantations and, and Brazil too, and then taking all that money back to the to the U.K. and then doing it again and again. So yeah. wow, interesting stuff. Yep. So Peacock is going to be assigned to deal with the lawns because there's a ride on mower, so he doesn't have to push uh, and uh, exert himself. Uh, Mm -hmm. And he starts to take exception to the fact that Miss Brahms and Mrs. Slocum have been making jokes at his expense, insinuating that he's having an affair or he's got a crush on Miss Lovelock, right? Didn't you find that was a little bit weird? Like the way Miss Brahms was like kind of just jab, 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 and it wasn't funny. I don't know. It just felt a little off to me, you know? I mean, I think it was—I think it was out of character because she would never would have spoken to a superior like that at the store, even though her and Mrs. Slocum had those side conversations on the counter that we were mm. privy to. But she would never do that to his face, you know. And uh, we get a little bit later on where Captain Peacock actually brings this up to Rumbled, right? Um, but they, they, they go back and forth on that. And Mr. Humphreys chimes in, well, remarks have been made about me and Miss Moulter, and I don't mind a bit. Right? <laughs> Great. You know, just thinking about it, you said, when you said that, I, I think about um, Wendy Richards on the original uh, series. She didn't get a lot of screen time, you know, because she was kind of the younger person, and there were lots of other folks competing for And it was the, the Mr. Humphreys show, basically. Um, I wonder now that they got the, the whole staff together again, the crew, the, the actors, maybe it was kind of like, all right, we're going to give everyone a lot more time 
And this is a chance for her to like be on screen, have some lines in a way that she didn't maybe in the first place. And of course, remember, she, she left um, EastEnders for a whole season of, of filming to do this series. So maybe that was it. Maybe they yeah. just gave her more attention because, you know, she never got that in the original series. I don't yeah, know. quite possibly. Hmm. Uh, Mr. Humphreys is assigned to weed the beds, and he says, oh, it's a long time since I've done that. And it took me a beat to catch on the joke, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't get it still right. to this day. <laughs> so uh, it, it's a bedwetting joke. He weed the bed. Oh, weed, weed, ah, right. uh, homonym, I think they call it. Yes, in exactly. Linguistic circles, Mr. Joe. Right. Uh, <laughs> and he, so he's, uh, Mr. Slocum asks him to cut some roses for her to arrange. And okay. um, Mr. Rumbold says that there are some secateurs in the, um, in the shed. So secateurs are, we call them in the States, pruning shears. If you think about those one-handed scissors that people use to cut, uh, 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 plant branches with that they kind of look like um, a, a, um, a toucan's beak. They're, they're that kind of shape. Or like a curved pair of scissors yeah, kind of thing with the string. Yeah, that you operate with one hand, right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Captain, Pe- uh, Captain Peacock makes a linguistic joke. He says, <laughs> and if they're not in the shed, they'll be non-secateurs. And then he like looks <laughs> around. He's like, nobody got that? Um so for those of you in the unanimous who also did not get that, he's making a reference to a literary device called a non sequitur, which is Latin for that does not follow. And it's when someone says two things that are seemingly unrelated, but it's because there's been an unspoken gap in the person's logic. For example. Here we go. Mary makes the best cakes in town. She should run for mayor. Or... You know, I really need to take my computer to get um, defragmented. I wonder if my barber has any appointments on Saturday. So those two kind of like statements that follow each other are completely unrelated. But in the speaker's head, there's some kind of logic that connects them. That they haven't yet voiced. Yes. And to other people, it's like, what? What is, Ex- what is that guy exactly. talking about? What is Brandon talking about again? That's, that's that a non sequitur. Uh, which reminds me of the time my grandmother went rose picking. Miss um. <laughs> uh, Brahms has been assigned to vacuum and to dust and to hang the sheets and to replace the soap, the soaps and the towels. And she's putting up she's she's putting up a stink because she's been uh, given far too much to do, like she was in the store. And she's uh, she just says that Rumbold really gets on my wick. And yeah, I, I didn't know what Wick meant. So this is an example of Cockney rhyming slang. Okay. So Wick is short for Hampton Wick. Is and some guy? It's a place. And oh, okay. And Wick rhymes with... <laughs> um, Dick? Yes, exactly. So it's that kind of thing where you, if someone gets on your dick, it's they're annoying you. Or almost like he's on my ass about something kind of thing. Yeah. Ah, Hampton Wick. Okay. Where Uh, is Hampton Wick? Oh, I don't know. I I didn't ask our research department to figure that out. Is it close to Asbury Plain? (laughs) Maybe it's close to Bristol City. Oh, okay. You get it. Okay. She liked that one. All right. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, Mr. Humphreys (laughs) is originally assigned the kitchen. But because Slocum is going to help Brahms with the sheets and vacuuming, she asks Mr. Humphreys, can you manage a junior goblin up the stairs? <laughs> which, the, which the crowd found very, very funny. Yes. And so 
So, okay, so, all right, when I was in the UK, Goblin was a brand of, like, small appliance. And, like, you would see vacuum cleaners that looked yes. like R2-D2, that looked like a little, like a bucket almost with an yes. engine in there, motor, yes. and then the long cord. And it was cute because it had, like, a little smiley face on it. It was called a Junior Goblin. Right. Or Goblin Henry. being the company. Henry, exactly, Henry. Yeah. So Goblin is also, uh, keen listeners will remember... Uh, how I obsessed, obsessed, obsessed over a tease made mm-hmm. that was in the episode The Apartment. And I did a whole thing, boring history about tease maids. Um, but the most famous tease made company in the UK is the Goblin Company. So that's kind of cool how Goblin comes up again. Right. But does it also mean like gay guy or something? It, like it, what's the joke? Yeah, it's a play on words. It's a double entendre. Like Goblin, like... Either making out oral sex. or oral sex, exactly. Oh, okay. There, there you, you go. Cat uh, Peacock is in the sheds with Lovelock because she's going to show him where the lawnmower is, and Peacock says he's six foot two tall, and it struck he me wishes. as a little odd. He he yeah, he does wish. Frank Thornton <laughs> he's is probably not like five six ten. Two. Right. Um, <laughs> it struck me as a little odd because I forgot for a moment that um, that British people talk about their weight in pounds or stones or stone and they, yeah. and they talk about their height in feet and inches um so but everything else is metric right well mostly everything else is metric because you still get road distance and road speeds in miles and miles, miles. Per hour, and you get milk and beer that's measured in pints okay but when and, you go shopping at tesco's or waitrose if you're so so lucky right um everything's in like Kilograms and... And liters and everything. Right? Grams and stuff, yeah. Well, Boris Johnson just announced that the UK is going to return to the imperial system in honor of the Queen's Jubilee. What? And not like a, not like a week thing, a week-long thing. He wants to push to make it permanent. Because this is all having to do with Brexit. Seriously? I had no I, I, idea. I, I, this is not a gag. This is not a joke, listeners. <laughs> So the Eurosceptics in UK, the people who don't want to be part of the European Union, their feeling is that metric is a European thing. And because they're British and not European, they want to use British measurements. (sighs) Yeah. Do you concur, Mr. Jeff? I mean, congratulations to the British people for this being their biggest problem of the week. And not, you know, 19 people, 19 people dead in a school in rural Texas. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, or Buffalo in a shopping mall. And, uh, yeah, exactly. Grocery yeah. store. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's, you know, of course we can't, we can't paint all the British public as, but, you know, it's, it's Boris Johnson. And I suppose this is something that he's doing as a, poly, I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird. Yeah. When's, That's when's the next strange. general election? Like this seems like an this seems like an election year stunt. It does. It does seems like a stunt, doesn't it? Um, wow. Let me. It would be interesting look. to hear from our from our fabulous UK listeners, which we do have a, a pretty good size. I was looking at the metrics on the podcast um, uh, department, the podcasting uh, research department. They were giving me one of those. We have a very old computer system. It's that printout thing with little holes on the sides of the paper. You know, dot, dot matrix. Yep. Dot matrix. It goes back and forth. It takes forever. But the information's still good. Yeah. But they were saying, um, I think 67% of our, of our listeners are from the U.S. 
uh, and and fifty nine percent of the remaining people are from the UK. So I mean, obviously so the, the math works out. Half half of a third is a sixth. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds about right. Um, I, was, I was making a joke because that's well over a hundred percent. But anyhow, oh. <laughs> Obviously, there's a misprint somewhere in the dot matrix printer. but Well, this just in from our oh. research department. The next general election in the UK has to be before uh, January 2025, right? Because remember that every, in the UK, they don't have it every four years. It's either when um, the prime minister calls for it or the government collapses. So... Uh, we're going to get Mr. Bill to grab us two more ice creams as we hear the, uh, the the truck down the street. So, Mr. Bill, if you can do that. Yeah. Yeah, just come up the, 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 the moist stairs with the one bulb. Yeah. Okay, he's nodding. Good. Do you want chocolate or ice or vanilla? I'll, I'll do I'll do, uh, I'll do raspberry swirl. Do some, do some uh, Tori Amos. Make mine yeah. a cho- okay. choco taco. Okay. Fabulous. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Bill. Um, yeah, so be, if so, if you are in the UK, um, long-winded thing there. Um, it, how would you feel if everything? Yeah, if it goes back to imperial, like I mean, there's so much stuff about going to to metric, and of course, the US. We tried to go to the metric system in the '70s under President Jimmy Carter, and as soon as I mean, you, I remember being told, you know, because I'm very young, um, that they used to have kilometers, like how many kilometers away things are like on the signs in arizona on the, on the, they 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 did yeah. their test in arizona for the road signs but then and, um mr yeah, the, the uh, only thing that we got out of it is we soda soda is measured in liters and then of course the second that mr uh reagan became president he did away with all of that there were solar panels on the roof of the white house because Jimmy carter was a big proponent of that I guess they were taken down once uh, Mr. Reagan became president. Wow. So, oh, well, let's see what we could have had had that not happened. But uh, anyway. So, I I mean, I guess six foot two sounds a lot better than two meters, right? Because it's got to be really close to two meters. Uh, He says he's just as tall as uh, Ramon Navarro, who was a Latin lover in the MGM films of the 20s, basically the next... Sex symbol. The 1920s. The 1920s. 70 years before this episode was filmed. (laughs) Right. And way after Miss Lovelock's time, she has no idea who that is. So Captain Peacock tries to be relatable and says, (laughs) oh, some new rock singer. I guess trying to conflate it with Joey Ramone. Ramone Navarro, Joey Ramone. I don't know. But oh, it, and then of course Lovelock is like, "Who's? I don't even know who that is." <laughs> right, who that is? So, oh, poor Captain Peacock. I wonder what happened to Mrs. Peacock. Is she still we around, still or do they finally? Do they get we a divorce? Know. We don't know if they ever got the divorce after the three times that she tried to do it in the show. <laughs> Two actresses and three attempts for a divorce. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as we come out of the sheds, Mavis is uh, rooting the drain. You know, basically snaking it with a long pole to remove a blockage, which she thinks it's a dead rat. Ew. Um, she thinks, <laughs> and she's got her skirt on and like big mud boots, and she's like just going at it, man. Yeah. Um, she oh, thinks gosh. she thinks that Mr. Humphreys has cut all the flowers for her and gives him a kiss, pretty close to the lips. It looked like it oh. was supposed to be on the cheek, but it looks like it was a kiss on the lips. And, ha- and hands the rooter over to. Uh, uh, Mr. Humphrey. So we get a little bit of physical comedy with um, the visual of him rooting the drain from like underneath, you know, doing an underhanded approach. 
And Mr. Moulter comments that you've got a natural talent for that, right? Of, like, bending <laughs> over and being in a back-and-forth motion. And the fact that he has, like, very, very, very short, like, brief shorts on, like, was the yeah, perfect thing. because he was running. Uh, oh and Mrs. Silkham and Miss Brahms are hanging out the washing, and Mr. Moulter drives a tractor through the clean washing in Benny Hill style, right? Um, yeah, that was cute, I guess. <laughs> A lot, a lot of exposition, and we still haven't really gotten to hiring the staff who are supposed to be here for the Americans who are arriving any minute now. I think, um, you know, it's fun, like, to see Morris Moulter drive a tractor and, like, go through the, and almost run over some chickens. I worried about the chickens. <laughs> um <laughs> I do remember the scene vividly from when I watched it in like 92, 93, because the concept of having to put the the washing out to dry on a clothesline that you lowered by having a stick. And then when you are want to raise it, you kind of move, navigate the stick straight up was like, wow, that's blowing my mind when I was like 12 Did or 13. Did you not hang your clothes out to dry when you were younger? No, we always had a washer dryer. That, see, that blows my mind because because I grew up in a city, um, we didn't have dryers in our apartments. We mm. were we were lucky to have a, 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 a portable washer that we had to kind of drag out and connect the hose up to the sink and put the dr- hose down the drain. But to dry, everything got hung outside. So, you were nearly lucky enough to have soap, weren't you, Mr. So, Jeff? My goodness. So if it was, you know, raining or snowing, <laughs> you weren't going to get, you know, it wasn't a day to wash clothes unless you were going to go down the street to the laundromat. Um, yeah, it's yeah. interesting that, like, when you're in a big city, uh, I suppose, like, maybe older buildings just didn't have the, the, the fortitude for those giant electrical draws for the electric dryers, but... Um, yeah, in big cities, you dry your clothes a lot of times, especially in the UK. Well, yeah, um, well, n- now they do in the in the laundrette, you know. But you know, back in back when Miss Browse was growing up, they the, the concept of a neighborhood laundromat laundrette was new because usually you'd go and you'd do your washing on the um, washboard, and you'd spin or it. Or Mr. And- Humphreys and Miss. Uh- with with Mrs. Thatcher in a uh, with a packet of Vim right. in, the, in the room, right? Right. <laughs> Bad joke. Um, why don't we head on down to the canteen for a tea break? I think that's and a smashing have, idea. We could have those ice creams before they melt. Oh, Mister Bill, mine's a little melted. Can you go and grab another one? <laughs> Thank you for your free work internship. We appreciate that. Okay, uh, and Mister Bill, if you want to have a cup of tea with us too, that's fine. Okay, he's, he's nodding his head. All right, good. So we will be right back after a brief nip on down to the canteen. Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? 
or an official podcast sofa pillow, perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does It Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And you've all done very well. So, Mr. Brandon, did you manage to cup the lolly before it melted? You know, I had to send Mr. Bill out to get another um, Choco Taco <laughs> because mine was just slightly melted. But luckily, his internship says he has to get us unlimited ice cream whenever the ice cream truck comes by. We're mixing metaphors and malapropping left and right over here. So They have a pill for that as well. So, yeah. <laughs> and Mr. Bill, if you're welcome to have uh, some of that room temperature water. They're sitting there on the counter if you want. So, okay, good. But don't remember, you have two more minutes of your break and you go back to work, okay? I'm sorry, where were we, Mr. Jeffrey? So, Captain Peacock <laughs> attempts to start the riding mower, but he's unable to, um, to get it started. And oh Miss Lovelock gosh, does thing. it expertly in one pull. Of course. Um, he gets on, and we have another Benny Hill type moment where the mower is out of control, it goes too fast, there's too much smoke, it crashes into the hedges. Uh, it, it went on a little too long yeah, for me. Yeah, it was, it was sort of like, okay, but did you catch the joke about pulling? Did you get that, that joke? Yes. Oh, my God. So yes. I think that's kind of a Britishy thing. So pulling in someone is like convincing them to have sex with you, right? It, it, it's, being, it's being successful at picking up someone. Or right? like, so did you pull, pull in did the you customers? Pull last night? Yeah, did you pull, yeah. exactly. So, yeah, they're talking about pulling the cord on the uh, riding lawnmower, but of course, with her, everything's about sex because doc, uh, Captain Peacock, Doctor? Doctor Peacock? Captain Peacock Whoa. is um, very enamored, to say the least. So, this, the very least. But yeah, like indeed. the whole ragmatag kind of like zooming around and. You could tell it wasn't the actor, Frank Thornton. It was like some other guy with a cap on. And there's so much smoke to like hide his face. And yeah. I did like the old moneyed landed gentleman guy. Like will pull up in his roles. Like, I say that. What are you doing with my road? The council <laughs> knows that, don't you know, old man? Right? So cute. Yeah. Over in the kitchen, uh, Mr. Humphreys and Mavis are <laughs> um, cutting onions. Oh. And so they... Uh, she teaches him a trick to dip them in water yeah. before you peel and cut them so it doesn't get in your eyes. And I talk about how he's never been married, but he's had some good, you know, has some very good friends and some good um, memories and vacations. He goes, well, you know, you've made my life so much better since you've here. And they start wailing into each other's arms it's and crying. So cute. Right? This is a trope that's been done since the beginning of television, right? But he did it really well with his build, I think, that Mr. Umbridge with the did. With the yeah, cutting like of onions, sort of you don't know if they're crying slow. or it's the onions. But it was cute. It, what I, I love the writing of this because, I mean, one, it's John Inman, and he can really do it well. He can do a good cry, um, like a pathetic cry, you know. But I loved how he said that, I've had a good life. Um, you know, we would have... Christmas parties and like the the, the milkman and the dustman would the come in, and, the dustman would come and they would have a drink. Like I had good friends. Like the people who give us milk and take away our our rubbish, they were good friends, and they would come in and have like you know, do they really have a good time or do they just feel sorry for the Humphreys family? I I think that's probably what oh, happened. Oh no, that's not what that joke meant. <laughs> that's how I read it. And then he went to. 
No, it meant to, he went to he went to bed with the milkman and the dustman. No, he met a dustman with a very interesting tale to tell. Don't you remember? Oh my gosh! I'm yeah. just so pure of heart. I don't even see the double entendre. Who has a better cry, Mr. Humphreys or Sharon Streslucky? Oh my God! Don't cho- don't make me choose my children. Um, <laughs> I do think it's really cute how Fleur Bennett, um, who who on Twitter we were talking about it. I, I, there's a rumor that this might have been one of her very first um, series. One of her first acting right. gigs, but she was she worked so well with John Emin and how she said, you know, my life was so ordinary and I had a good life, but it's so much better now that you're here. And then he was sort of crying, and they just start crying. God, I'm just all worked up. I can't take it. <laughs> <laughs> At the dinner table, they get compliments on their stew, but Mrs. Slocum says it was a little salty. It's because they were crying in the onions. <laughs> um, what is your trick to avoid crying when you're cutting onions? Uh, I use shallots. <laughs> um, I just, you know, it's just... That was a very Paul Lind response. I use shallots, don't I? <laughs> Can I do my Paul Lind joke? I've probably done this before. The center square, he's in the center square, and uh, the, the host of, um, uh, what's it called? The um, Hollywood, Hollywood Squares. Squares, thank you. Uh, he says... Peter Marshall. Peter Marshall. Peter Marshall says, Paul Lind. In Alice in Wonderland, who kept saying, I'm late, I'm late? And then Paul Lynde thought for two seconds and he says, it was Alice and her mother's just beat up about it. <laughs> that's it, that's it. My, my favorite Paul Lynde joke is, <laughs> um, Paul Lynde, how many men on a hockey team? About half. <laughs> I don't, I don't. Okay, so, so the, 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 the question is supposed to be how many men are there on a hockey team? But the way that it was phrased was just how many men on a hockey team. Okay. And, and the implication is either that are gay or that he's made out with or, ha- or had intimate kernel uh, knowledge of. See, it's so much funnier now that you've explained it. <laughs> Before I forget, I do want to give a shout out to one of our uh, Twitter uh, super fans. He is, um, I think his name is John, forgive me, possibly Mr. John, but uh, we were talking about uh, Flora Bennett's career and all of this and he runs graceandfavor.net. That's F-A-V-O-U-R, of course, the proper way of spelling grace and favor. .net. So he has a really cool website where it's uh, lots of blog entries about this new series that we're talking about. So if you want to read more about the show, graceandfavor.net. So I'll also post that on uh, Facebook and Twitter, too. So hello. Yeah, thanks for the popo plug. Yes. Um, Rumbold criticizes Peacock about the lawns because they're not stripey. They're in circular patterns. <laughs> and, Pe- and Peacock gives him lip for it. And Rumbold is not happy Uh-oh. about it. I'm not used to being spoken to like that. And Peacock says, well, get used to it because we're not in the store anymore. Oh. Right? So just like before we were talking about how Brahms would have never spoken to Peacock like that, he realizes right. it as well. Because they're not at the store and like the, the whole hierarchy thing. But of course, Mr. Rumbold never does any work. He just dictates and, and delegates to things, right? And Mavis picks up on I it, know. Right? She scolds Rumbold for bickering at the table, not eating his potatoes, talking with his mouth full, and making everyone do all the work while he does none of it. And she tells him, you're not getting any pudding unless you finish your, um, you finish your potatoes. Um, Tatoes is so, what she said. Tatoes. Tatoes. Tatoes, right? Yeah. 
Um, Mr. Humphrey's nearly done himself in rotting this morning. <laughs> <laughs> of course, she knows what it means and assumes everyone else knows what it means. But No, but they don't. Yeah. And we get a very, very sly, slow head turn from Mrs. Slocum. Is there anything you'd like to say, Mr. Humphreys? <laughs> and he just, you know, scowls his face, right? <laughs> Which is so cute because I don't think they've, they she would have ever said something like that in the original series. Like, it, it was very blunt, like... Do you want to comment right. on that, Mr. Humphreys? <laughs> right. So good. Mr. Boltard is still upset that he you know, almost ruined the gears in his tractor riding through the um, clean Did sheets. we explain that? Because like the, the Slocum and, and, and Brahms put up the sheets because they're getting ready for the people. They were still damp. And right. they were like airing them out, like drying in the sun. And then suddenly out of nowhere, which was really weird... Um, Mavis Moulter, uh, uh, not Mavis, um, Morris Moulter, Mr. Moulter comes out with this giant tractor running at full blast and runs right through them. I guess the idea is he wasn't used to having sheets drying there and he would be able to dr- drive his tractor through it. And I guess he felt right. bad about it. Poor guy. Right. So he goes to wash the seat sheets. He puts, he fills the cow's trough with hot water, <laughs> a little bit of sheep dip and detergent. That what kind you get on the television. What is sheep and dip? I'm guessing it's um, flea medicine, right? Because when you think about dog dip or cat dip, it's what you dip them in, like to make sure they don't have fleas. Yeah, like I, maybe it's like a soapy kind of cleaner thing. But why would I guess yeah. if that's all you have and that's the world you live in, if it's good enough right. for the sheep, it's good enough for the sheets. See, that was exactly. my multered impression. Wendy Richard is almost breaking here, and I love it. <laughs> she is biting her lips so hard and trying to look down away into her, into her empty plate of taters uh, just to not laugh, and it is hysterical. I didn't notice that. I'll have to rewatch that scene. Mavis oh uh, brings in the pudding, which is a gelatin in a, in a mound shape, and sticks two biscuits in the side, so it kind of looks like jug ears. Yeah. She's giving him a little bit of ribbing, and we get a subtle jug ears joke, which we haven't heard... Um, in these four episodes, a lot of callbacks to the original series here, which is great. It's a love letter to the fans. I mean, you know, like the the silly thing with the um, Captain Peacock and the riding lawnmower. Like, okay, like again, this is 2022, and we're recording this. Um, but comedy has become a lot more fast, uh, a lot faster, and that's kind of very old fashioned to see something kind of slow and like physical comedy. But they could have yep. never done anything like that in the original series. They have a, a, a there's a, a yard, a lawn that you can do things like that. So maybe right. this is them just trying to take advantage of that, right? Yeah, and doing things like teaseling the sheets, right? So the Mavis explains that they all have to get in and take your shoes and put your trousers up and stomp on the sheets in order to be able to loosen the dirt. And and clean it almost like the Lucille so Ball I, thing where they're making wine. Exactly. Right? Yeah. That's exactly what I thought. It was going to be Lucy's Italian movie, and we were going to get some great physical comedy here with them having to like stomp in this trough, right? But instead, um, Mr. Moulter pulls out his concertina and makes <laughs> up a teaseling song, and they all start singing 
And at some point they form a kick line <laughs> because whenever you have a group of people who are standing together doing something awkward, it has to turn into a kick of line because that's the rule of comedy, right? Yeah. And so they keep using this word teasel, which they were all familiar with, which I had never heard before. Teasel, yeah. We had uh, yeah. our research team here at uh, That Does Suit Matter Compound uh, hours and hours trying to figure it out. We found something about the teasel, which is sort of a dried flower, uh, which you see in some arrangements. It's kind of um, not quite a thistle, but it's uh, got a prickly end on it, and you would use it. What did you just call me? <laughs> uh, but... Yeah, so do you remember what the our dot matrix printout said about yeah. that? So, uh, so to teasel something is when you bring up the nap or pile in a fabric. So if you imagine um, a, a carpet, it doesn't even need to be a shag carpet or a very long carpet. If you comb it in order to be able to make sure that everything is going in the same direction, you're teaseling it, right? You're adjusting the fibers. And that's what they're doing here is they're agitating it in order to be able to lift all the soil to the surface and have it get washed away with the detergent that what you get on the television uh, and the water, right? So you're just like, you know, um, it's like it's like beating your clothes on a rock, right? You're giving some friction to it in order to loosen the dirt. Yeah, and I think that the word teasel comes, and if you Google teasel, T-E-A-S-E-L, uh, it comes up with a plant, and it's got kind of like a fibrous spiny kind of thing at the end of it almost like a little flower made of spines if you think about it and i think they mm. were i was the, the dot matrix printout told me that from the research department it said that they used those little fiber little thistly kind of thorns let's call them um when they were making wool and somehow like something about making the fibers go the right direction and kind of abrasing it so there's something but yeah teaseling i I never heard of teaseling before this episode, so now you know, Unanimous. Yeah, so store that in your back pocket if you're ever on Jeopardy or Mastermind or something. You know what we should have done? We should have uh, did a a little rendition of the teaseling song. (laughs) Speak for yourself. (laughs) Next time. If anyone wants to record themselves doing the Unanimous teaseling song, send send it our way and we'll, we'll put it on the show. The travel agent has arranged a photographer to take a picture of the staff tomorrow, so they're hoping they're going to hire these two candidates so that they can be pictured tomorrow and actually start to work on the on the manor. So the two candidates are Mrs. Clegghampton, who is played by Maggie Holland, who had a few bit parts here and there. Um, she's applying to be the chambermaid, but she's, um, how you say, past it. Uh, she... <laughs> She worked at Madame Tussauds for 10 years and didn't leave of her own volition but left in an ambulance. She doesn't do stairs. She doesn't do washing up or changing the sheets or pillowcases. There's not really not much that she can do. So So, probably not a good candidate. Considering how much housework Mrs. Slocum and Miss Brahms had to do earlier, absolutely not. Sorry, Miss Clackhampton. Next is Mr. Volponi, who's applying to be a waiter, and he's played by Gordon Peters. Does he look familiar to you, Mr. Brandon? Um, now that you say that, he did kind of feel like he was familiar, but uh, do we know who he is? So he's been on two episodes of Are You Being Served? Original Recipe. Really? Oh, that's cool. He, he was on, um, he was in one episode where he played a customer with no name that was asking for fawn trousers. I remember us talking about fawn as a color, and the only time we've ever heard that been used is in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. 
Um, the other episode he was in was No Sale, which was the namesake of our podcast. And there's that husband and wife that have that argument where Peacock takes one side and the and Mrs. Slocum takes the wife's side. And, uh, you know, oh, it's all uh, it's that woman on the contometer. It's all adding it up now. You look like a great big stuff Is that the turkey. one where she's wearing a, a beautiful blue dress? Yes, and she rips it. Yes. I, I shan't go alone to the party. That's what... Exactly. Oh, exactly. yes. So he, he played I that husband. It. I hate it. And she's ripping off the sleeves and then Captain Peacock, you have to pay for that, madam. Oh, my right. God. So that was him. So, so he had glasses. Ah, he was the guy with glasses. But I will say, this guy, amazing. This was the coolest Amazing scene. physicality here. Yes. Right? So Mr. Volpone, he's been a server all throughout the UK because he worked the canteen on British Rail. So he worked, he's used to delivering on trains. <laughs> so he does this great physicality where he's constantly off balance as you would be if you're walking down the aisle, down the corridor of a train. And he's like, he's like, to serve he's, the tea. he's like, he's got a plate of tea to show them how he can serve. Oh right. my God! Yeah, he comes out of the, the 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 corner like as if he's on a very bumpy train, and you, we can't even do it justice describing it. It's just like the acting. You know, it's easy to say like, oh, the physical comedy, the the Benny Hill stuff, ha ha ha. Every now and then, it's fucking amazing, and this is one of those times. Th- this- I think. I will definitely concede that this was definitely amazing because yeah. he was physical with his entire body. It just wasn't wobbling back and forth with his hips and his legs. <laughs> it was both of his arms, the <laughs> one carrying the tray and the other one to try and steady himself where there was no wall or there was no sheet, right? And k- kudos also to the props department for gluing down all of the teacups and saucers <laughs> to the tray so that he can have full use of the physicality without worrying about breaking uh, any of the um, ceramic um, or you know, plastic. Yeah, it was so cute. And I love the shop. Yeah. And remember, this is 1992, so few people had um, cell phones, mobiles. Uh, it's interesting. I heard from one, someone on Twitter or Facebook who said, by the way, back in 1992, we used the term mobile to refer to cordless phones. Remember how last episode we said, are you oh. on your mobile, Mom, Mrs. Humphreys? Um, so maybe it was on a cordless phone. But anyhow, um, oh, oh, I love... okay. Yeah, it's interesting. But this is before cell phones, mobiles, like portable telephones. Um, so he said, well, if you want to reach me, I'm going to be on the 845 to Bridge Brickhampton and, uh, keep the message short because the conductor at the station will just hold out the message on a board and I will see it, but be quick, make the message short. Cause it's, I'm on an express. It's an express. Train. So right. cute. Oh my God. Really cute. Love it. Um, Frobisher, the travel agent arrives. Uh, he's played by Gregory Cox, who was, uh, Mr. Wiggis in Bad Boys, and if you're a horror movie fan, he was Jackson, the lead in Unmasked Part 25. Right? Okay. He comes with he comes with the bad news that they couldn't get the photographer for tomorrow, and I kind of I kind of let out a sigh of relief because okay, great, the staff don't have anyone to they help have them to do it clean. themselves. Yeah. But now the photo is being taken at six o'clock this evening, so they're gonna have to be staff. <laughs> For the manor. I just want to see and, Mrs. Slocum in a maid's outfit. That's all I want. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they're, not, they're not happy about it. They start arguing uh, and start complaining to Mr. Rumbold. Mavis breaks in and says, right, 
No more arguing. You'll get no supper, except for you and me, Mr. Humphreys. We'll have a little nibble upstairs. Ooh. Drags him away and leaves everyone else arguing over the end credits. A ghost, you might say. I love how she's just turned into Mama Mavis, and she's like, all right, you're arguing, you're not getting any pudding. Um, you eat your potatoes, you, you, you're not going to waste food. I'm going to put food in your mouth, Mr. Rumbold. Um, you're arguing again, no, no dinner for you, except for Mr. Humphreys, because she's clearly in love with him. Love it. Well, yes. I mean, they've, this, they've been there f- for about three days now. And so the Molters are starting to realize that they're in it for the long haul. Yeah. And they've probably taken the first three days to observe who adjusts to country life and who still needs kind of teaching. Yeah, yeah. And I think that Mavis finally feels like, oh, I don't have to be the little timid country girl anymore. I can be in charge because this is the house where I live. And I can tell these people how to do country things because I'm the expert. That's going to be something that I remember thinking before we even started the, the, the second series here, uh, the, the second Arguing Served Again, Grace and Favor, that I really wish we got more exposure to the backstory of the character and who she blossoms into for Mavis and uh, Miss Lovelock and Mr. Moulter, too. I think they're all really cool characters. Um, the graphic that I posted on Facebook and Twitter about which one do you like more it's interesting that there's so many more people in the the newer show because of those three new characters. Um, Fleur Bennett's portrayal of Mavis is so cute. And I know that John Inman said, you know, had we not stopped, they would have gotten married. So maybe we could have, after we finish the last episode, I'm just thinking out loud, maybe we can say, okay, what would have happened next? That would be interesting. Right. I also love the fact when Mavis and Mr. Humphreys were cutting the onions, um, he, she said, you talk about your mom a lot, Mr. Humphreys. Uh, when did you leave home? Then he said, Thursday. <laughs> Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> because he's never left home, but he finally did. So, yeah. Do you remember the PBS specials whenever um, John Inman was kind of doing the grand tour of, of North America, at least the States? Yep. And they would have like a little cameo where it's him as Mr. Humphreys and he's calling his mother and there's like Paddington bear. And he's, oh, do you remember yes. those? Uh, was, I'm here. I'm here in Wichita, Kansas at their public television station, mother. Yeah. Yeah. But it, I think it was him in like a sweet little scene. It wasn't like in a P- PBS station, but it was like a little set. Maybe they filmed in London. I don't know. But I wonder if we can find those on Twitter. I'm just remembering because that was of the time of, of Grace and Favor already being served again. And even then he mentions his mother. And I wonder if he dresses up as his mother. I don't remember. See, I, I have this visual in my head of him like sitting in the pledge bank on one of the phones calling his mother. Oh, that was awesome. I wonder if that happened. I, I could also be very well making that up, no, if, but I have this image of my head of that happening. We've, we've had the internal uh, research department. We need to dock their pay. I mean, it's already free. Maybe less ice cream, I guess. Um, but we can't find much YouTube clips or Venmo or v- Vivo or whatever that's called of, of those little promotional videos of John and Ben going around PBS stations in the, in the U.S. trying to get donations for the fundraising. So if you know of... Where you, if you have an old VHS or something, put it on YouTube and we'd love to share it with everybody because that would be really fun to see. So that would be great. Yeah. And if you've got anything else to share with us, you know, you can get in touch with us on Facebook or on Twitter or send us an old fashioned email at that does suit madam, spelled with an E, 
at gmail.com. Or you can call the Peacock Hotline at 662-PEACOCK. That's 662-732-2625. And while you're at it, grab some merch in our bargain basement shop at imfree.threadless.com. Yes, we have a whole new fleet of, of interns working for free, making all the products, the very exciting stuff. So, so give them something to do. Speaking of interns... Mm. I heard a rumor that we're going to have another one with us next week when we talk about Series 1, Episode 5, Things That Go Bump in the Night. Is that true, well, Mr. Brandon? I'm Can looking, you put those rumors to well, rest? Well, yes. I'm looking at the CV right now. It's written in pen, which is better than pencil, but not nice. It's nice typed. But, you know, obviously they don't have a dot matrix printer. Uh, but we do have a couple of uh, applications. So we might have an interview. Well, you know, hopefully they won't show up like last time, like Mr. Bill. During recording of the podcast, but you know, we can only do what Northern Mississippi Bus Lines allows us to do. You know, there's only one way to get in here and out, so we'll, we'll have to see what happens. But, but in the meantime, uh, as always, Mr. Jeff, you've, you've all done very well. Very well. Bye, Bye. That Dust Suit Madam is not endorsed by the BBC, and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are You Being Served is a copyrighted program of the BBC. This podcast does not accept liability for, or warrant the quality or standard of, any of the vacations or accommodations featured on this website.